Hello and welcome to the Football Digest Daily on a Tuesday every week. We always talk about the EFL and today we've went with a very heavy Middlesbrough theme. Uh, we've got Craig Johns here who's one of our Middlesbrough reporters and we're just going to talk about you know the, the start of the season for Borough, how things are going with Neil Warnock and touch a little bit after that on the championship in general. So Craig, one place to start. It's been a very average start of the season for Middlesbrough. Certainly from the outside looking in, I can't claim that I've particularly been keeping an avid eye on them, but I would say that it's been probably on the side of disappointing, but ultimately average. Yeah, absolutely. Underwhelming start is, uh, is I think, the way that uh, I'd describe it. I think, you know, when, when Neil Warnock at, at 72 agreed to stay on for another season this season, the, it was absolutely clear why he was doing that. It was to to add another promotion to his CV. Uh, he made clear he wasn't staying around, you know, to be a mid-table championship team. He wants to be up there challenging. Now, there are many, you know, reasons and many difficulties why at the moment Middlesbrough aren't and, and he always knew coming in that it was going to be difficult. I mean, you know, if you think of somebody like Neil Warnock, he's, he's made a career out of taking the underdogs, taking the unfancied and, and getting them promoted. And he always knew this was going to be another challenge and another big ask to, to do that with Middlesbrough. But, uh, but yeah, certainly eight games in, only two victories so far, the 16th in the championship table. It, it's definitely been an underwhelming start and, and one that, you know, Neil Warnock admits himself is, is frustrating him too. And you mentioned there Neil Warnock's age, and I don't want to be ageist, because um, Danny Collins used to play for Sunderland, always complains about ageism in football, and particularly with footballers who get over the age of like 32 and everyone's like they're finished, even though they're probably not. But Neil Warnock is in his 70s now, and he feels like a manager we've kind of been expecting to retire for a while. And, you know, God, is this his third season at Middlesbrough now? He seems like he's continually just yeah. taking them jobs. How long do you think we can expect to see him in a in a dugout? Yeah, I mean, you talk about ageism, but it is relevant with with Neil Warnock, of course, because I think he's retired about three times already, and he just keeps getting dragged back. He uh, he loves the sport, and and that's why that question is such a difficult question to answer. Because uh, you know, as I say, I mean, this is this will be second full season at Middlesbrough. He came in um, for the last eight games of, of the uh, 2019-20 season. It will have been won it, and uh, and kind of kept Middlesbrough in the championship after a season of. of of kind of turmoil and struggle and uh yeah um he, he we got through most of last season for for a lot of it we were expecting that would probably be his last season but as the second half of the season went on Burr's season kind of you know dropped off and the uh the loss of the way having looked quite good in the first half of last season and it, and it became quite apparent um by probably April time-ish that if not a bit earlier that Borough probably weren't going to make the top six but you know there's a there's a decent squad there and there's a decent core group of players particularly of what Burrow, what Warnock had last season what he was building and, and that excited him um you know, we're talking about young players like Dale Fry at the back, Marcus Tavernier, he brought in Duncan Watmore on a free after he was released by Sunderland. He was having a fantastic season. Um, Johnny Housen is like kind of the veteran of that group, but he's very much part of the core as well. There, there, is, there was this core group of, uh, of of players that he absolutely loves and he was excited about as well. That was the key thing. And, and so he decided to sign another 12-month contract. And as I say, that takes him until the end of the current season. Um, and again, you know, when he signed that, the expectation was that 
it was because he wanted one more go. Uh, as I say, he's, he's retired probably about three times now. He always jokes about that and he just keeps getting dragged in. Uh, Sharon gets annoyed with him at home because he always, he's, his version of, of, of like tidying and cleaning at home is, is actually making more of a mess. So she encourages him actively to go and take more jobs. And uh, and he'd always wanted to work with Steve Gibson. He's good friends with Middlesbrough and Steve Gibson. He, he'd always wanted to work with him. So when the Borough job come up, it was one he, he couldn't really turn down. And you know, he, he always talks about that, that, that thirst and that desire to bring success to Middlesbrough for Steve Gibson. And he's all, always almost you know, working hard to to impress Steve Gibson and to show Steve Gibson what he can do and what he's capable of. Um, but yeah, there was a feeling when he signed that twelve month extra twelve month contract. Uh, I think it was about April last year that that this would be his last season again. This would be the season where he knows what he has and he's going to give it the best goal he possibly can to to get promotion this season. As we mentioned, it's been an underwhelming start, but. You know, by no means after eight games can we write off Middlesbrough's chances. Um, they have actually signed some good players, and once it all gels, there's there's potential there for this to come together. And um, but yeah, he's, he's he's mentioned a couple of times, interestingly, that you know he keeps hearing people saying this is his last season, and but he keeps saying you know who's, who's to say that you don't know what's around the corner, you don't know what the future holds. Uh, so yeah, there's been more than a couple of hints already that. Potentially, this isn't his last season uh, in charge. I mean, obviously, I think he knows very well that uh, um, results need to pick up if uh, if he is going to be still at Middlesbrough. But uh, but yeah, he's, he's he's hinted a few times that potentially this isn't his last season. So who knows uh, how long Warner can go on? Uh, only only he knows that. But I know he certainly still has that thirst and uh, for 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 victory and for for success. He absolutely loves. Eat, sleeps, and breathes football. He absolutely loves it. So it's such a hard question to answer. How long is he going to go for? Well, I mean, I think as well, if Middlesbrough did get promoted this year, there is absolutely no way that he wouldn't want to crack back at the Premier League as well. So I suspect that he's definitely open to another season. How is he to deal with? You know, because he's known as a bit of a cantankerous guy when it comes to officials and post-match. Often, certainly historically, he's been quite fiery. But how, how have you found him to deal with? Do you think he's mellowed out with age? Uh, do you know what he's been? I don't think he's mellowed, absolutely not. I think you only have to see some of these kind of, uh, you know, post-match reactions when he doesn't feel that referees have, uh, have shall we say, been up to standard, which uh, sadly in the championship happens all too often. Uh, but no, he's been absolutely excellent to deal with. He's, he's very, you know, in, 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 in some sense, he is very old school in that he does recognise the importance of, of, of local media and regional newspapers and, and recognises that there is still a lot of, if you like, sway and power within regional um, newspapers and uh so he, he he treats us well. Um, he, he he's he's fun to work with as well. I think that's the big thing. I think a lot of the modern game now, a lot of modern managers are very robotic and very you know very media trained in that the the very savvy and they know what they're seeing. It ends up just being a lot of cliches and, and not a lot of actually in, intriguing or interesting stuff. Uh, but but you know Neil Warnock press conferences, you never know what you're going to get from one one day at the next from from nearly. He, he likes to joke, he likes to laugh. Um, 
but obviously very serious about the task at hand, of course. But yeah, he, he'd much rather everybody was smiling. He'd much rather everybody was having a good time. Uh, and, and he always, you know, says that. He always says he wants everybody to, to enjoy it and come along for the ride. And it will be a roller coaster because that's the championship uh, in general. But let's let's have fun along, along the way. And uh, yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant to work with. I mean, last time out, you know, looking at current results, Blackpool at home lost. But before that, it was a it was a good away win at a pretty turbulent Nottingham Forest, it's fair to say, although it did pick up after the sacked Chris Hutton and won a game. But it's kind of, that kind of feels like what Borough are to me, you know, from the outside looking. I'm quite an avid championship watcher, but to me, they don't feel like a team that is top six. They feel more like a team who's going to finish somewhere in the region of eighth to twelfth. Is that an assessment that you think is fair, or do you think that they are actually a little bit better than that? No, well, well, at the minute, absolutely, it's fair because I think ultimately uh, a mid-table championship side is generally inconsistent. The the capable of beating anybody on the day, but the capable of losing to anybody on the day, and and that has been Borough for the last year essentially. You know, throughout twenty twenty one, looking at the second half of last season as well, they've been inconsistent, and and Neil Warnock hasn't been able to find that consistency. Uh, Yes, I mean, you only have to look at this season um, and, and it has been very inconsistent. As you mentioned, they got that good win at Nottingham Forest and uh, you, you hope that would be the time that the season would then, you know, finally get started, finally kick on. Um, and, and it looked favourable to do that because they had Blackpool, of course, on, on Saturday just gone there. That was the next game at home. Blackpool in the bottom three, struggling, just come up from the from League One. It seemed the perfect opportunity to, you know, hit them from the off, get your fans behind you, get uh, the first back-to-back wins of the season and, and, and go on from there, you know, really kickstart your season and... You, you need runs in this division ultimately if you are going to be a top six side you need to go on you need to be capable of going 10 15 games unbeaten and at the moment borough don't look like that so yeah you know being eighth to 12th is is probably a, a fair assessment of of what borough look like having said that as i said they've got more than enough quality within that squad to there's always a, a surprise in the championship i always think there's always one team who tends to to kind of surprise you, maybe the the crop up late and they go on a brilliant run towards the end of the season. Barnsley did it last season, and they they end up in the playoffs. And you know, I think there's enough quality within that Borough squad. They made twelve new signings this summer. Uh, it's still kind of gelling. It's still trying to click together. And um, if it does, there is enough quality there, without a doubt, for them to, for them to go on that run and and, and be a playoff side. But. Uh, but yeah, they've got to, they've got to score more goals at at the, at the top. They've got to, you know not concede um, as many as they do at the back, which you know that's captain obvious. That's what football is. But ultimately, that's Borough's downfall at the moment. And which players have, have stood out for the Middlesbrough so far this season? Because I know, um, you know, Paddy McNair is a player that I remember from when he was at Sunderland. Who was very very good for them in the championship just just constantly injured another player Duncan Watmore you mentioned before he was very hot when he first came into Middlesbrough but seems to be a player that I never read anything about now so I'm just wondering as he really came off the boil British Sambalonga I think left in the summer yeah. so who, who's filling the void there I mean, who have been the the, the the standouts 
Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, Britt left in the summer, as did Ashley Fletcher, and, and that kind of left them with no strikers. Uh, they had Tube Rock at Pom, but he had a terrible first season, clearly wasn't fancied by Warnock. He's been shipped out on loan. Uh, so, yeah, but getting strikers in was the main priority this summer, and uh, he's managed to bring in a new chief PR zoo from. from uh, and, um, the, the dog doesn't agree with me. <laughs> yeah, he's brought in Ikpiazu from Wickham. That's a relatively low signing, but it's the exact kind of striker that a, a Neil Warnock side needs. It's you know he's a focal point. He's a big man, a target man to hit up top. He's going to rough defenders up, um, and and that's what he has been doing. He's looked good so far this season. But they've also brought in Andres Barraf on loan from Sporting. Um, in, in Portugal and uh, you know it's a, it was an interesting summer at Middlesbrough I mentioned that they made these 12 signings and the kind of you know the start of the summer where they were signing these what I would call pragmatic players championship experience Neil Warner kind of players um, you know build, build, building those squad numbers back up because they were short on squad numbers and uh and then the, the kind of the, the the transfer window kind of was almost split in two for Burr and the second half of the transfer window kind of moved to this new, they're going in this new progressive direction where they're going to start um, trying to look at kind of players who might be hidden gems or, you know, um, players that they feel they can sign for, for low value who have future sell-on value because they recognise that you know, uh, recruitment is a key kind of way in which they can start making themselves a lot more, um, you know, a lot more sustainable financially because, you know, just about every championship club is losing money at the moment. It's it's a it's a struggling league financially. And so they've brought in Kieran Scott from, from Norwich City as the new uh, head of football. He was like the head of um, recruitment at Norwich City and, of course, did many great things with, with signings like Emi Buendia and, and Timo Pukki. Uh, he, he's kind of got a big reputation now in football for the work he's done at Norwich under, under Stuart Webber. Um, and he's now come in, in in kind of the same role as Webber, but at Borough. So there's, there's this new kind of sense of new direction and new... Um, optimism at Borough moving forward that that's going to be the kind of, of model they're going to take on recruitment wise and, and as I say, Spora came in from Sporting, uh, they brought in James Lee Saliki from, from Rennes in France, now they're both still getting up to speed but in that uh, Nottingham Forest win that we mentioned um, just, just gone there. Um, Sporar scored an absolutely brilliant goal in there. He's a he's a PSC striker who likes to play on the last on the the shoulder of the last defender, and he, he ran off the shoulder of the last defender at Forest and and absolutely smashed the ball home from just inside the box. And I genuinely can't remember the last time Burra saw a striker score a goal like that. They, they tend to not have strikers who do that, but uh, he he looks encouraging in the in the few games that we've seen of him so far. But, um, you know, I mentioned those pragmatic signings as well. And uh, Matt Crooks came in from, from Rotherham. He's a, a big, strong central midfielder, but he's he's actually underrated with his skills on the ball. And in terms of his drive, he gets on the ball and he wants to just drive his team forward uh, with his dribbles. He's not a, I wouldn't say a skillful, as in, you know, he's not going to do tricks like Cristiano Ronaldo to be his man, but he's just so strong and so physical that he and he's fast. So he knocks the ball past an opponent and then just physically overwhelms them to get past them. Um, he's been a good addition for Burra. And then I think that the standout star of the season so far um, has been young Isaiah Jones, a uh, 21-year-old winger. He was uh, come through the academy. He was on Mona Queen of the South last season. And I think he, before getting an 
injury, he, he, he registered seven assists and a goal in his first uh, first eight appearances for the Scottish Championship side. Um, and I think, uh, speaking to Warnock recently, the, the plan initially for Jones was to come back uh, and, and go back out on loan this season, maybe find a, a club in, in maybe League One or League Two this season for him to go out on loan again, play regular first-team football and, and, and build that experience. But he impressed so much in pre-season that, that Warnock decided to give him his chance and he's he's been absolutely superb so far for Borough this season. Uh, he's, he's such a positive, old-fashioned kind of winger. He's, he's fast, a and he is tricky. He's got uh, he's got tricks and skills in his locker, but he, he gets on the ball and he just wants to knock it past his fullback and beat him. And nine times out of ten, he can beat his fullback as well. Uh, so you know, really, really, really bright start of the season for young Isaiah Jones. And how do you think the supporters feel? I mean, I had a look at the average attendances, and it looks like they're up a little bit, you know, a few thousand compared to the pre-pandemic levels. Do you think there is optimism within the Borough fan base, or do you think it's Kind of just the the diehards are, are there, and and that's kind of the lot. Yeah, I, th- I think you know coming out of the pandemic, they probably have seen numbers rise because uh, you know we, we we were so fortunate that during the pandemic, during the behind closed doors era, if you want to call it, we were still able to get into games and cover them. But you know it was absolutely soulless without fans there in stadiums, and and I think coming out of that and fans being allowed back into stadiums, I would imagine that that's kind of helped attendances somewhat and fans have, you know, had that clamour to get back and, you know, it's it's more than just a football match, isn't it, for fans, you know, it's a social event, you meet with your friends, it's the stuff you do pre-match, like go to the pub or whatever and the stuff you do post-match. Uh, it's it's far more than just that 90 minutes of, of the match inside the stadium for, for fans. So I think, you know, attendances, you're probably seeing that kind of clamour and that excitement of being able to do it um but yeah it's, it's an interesting one with the fan base at the minute i think they, they recognize this kind of new direction that the club are going in but because results haven't been so great there is uh you know there is a bit of uh discontent with with the start of the season and one or two questioning whether whether neil warnock is the right man to kind of take this squad uh forward which i think is harsh we're eight, we're eight games into the season i think you know, I think you're judging you're judging him on being somebody um, who who kind of doesn't like these European players is what you're saying is what a lot essentially seeing, and he's maybe not the player to, the the manager to kind of take these players forward and and progress the way Borough want to progress. But I actually think that's quite harsh because with his experience and with the experience of his coach and staff around him. I wonder if there's anybody better who could um, manage these players in terms of getting them ready and getting them up to speed because who knows the championship better than Neil Warnock? He knows the championship so well and you only have to look at when he first came to the club. It was a struggle in Borough side. It was a very young Borough side but there's plenty of players within that squad who have came on leaps and bounds under him. You, you mentioned Paddy McNair earlier. He he converted Paddy back into a, a centre-back and, and kind of compared him jokingly at the start of last season to Franz Beckham but actually, you know, he was absolutely like a championship Beckham power in a back uh, back five last season. He carries the ball out of defence so comfortably because of his kind of experience in midfield, and you know, he reads the game so well. He's been he's been absolutely brilliant, improved immeasurably under Warnock. And then they had two young fullbacks who they brought in from League One clubs, in Anthony Dykesdale and Mark Bowler, and. Um, 
both of them were, were struggling badly uh, under the previous manager, Jonathan Woodgate. They kind of, because Borough didn't have much else, they were kind of thrust into the, the spotlight, into the limelight, into the team much earlier than what probably Borough planned when they did sign them. Um, and But uh, under, under Warnock, both of them have just, you know, found this belief, found this confidence, which which Warnock does is known to give players with his man management, and and they have been absolutely thriving under his management. So I see no reason why, uh, you know, when when they get up to speed fully, the likes of James Leasley, Martin Piero, and Andres Barrar, who are fantastic, who do look, you know, really fantastic players. And Martin Piero, for example, he twenty two year old, he's came in from Banfield in Argentina this summer, um, and it's. Many in Argentina are absolutely baffled that Burrow have managed to to pull this signing off because uh, you had he, he performed really well in in Argentina and during the pandemic era they they had the Copa Diego Maradona instead of their league competition because the league got closed down because of COVID and um, the way it was kind of described to me is is Banfield or essentially if you compare it to the Premier League they're like a they're like a Crystal Palace kind of side that you know they're probably not going to be threatened with relegation but they're not going to threaten you know the 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 upper echelons of the of the table either and uh but actually Banfield managed to get to the final of the Copa Diego Maradona and and that was largely thanks to the performances of Martin Piero uh who was absolutely fantastic really forward positive thinking midfielder who who has brilliant set pieces as well and and off the back of his performance in that competition last season um you had River Plate, you had Boca Juniors, the two big sides in Argentina. You also had in Milan, uh, who were kind of watching him and, and taking a keen interest in signing him. And and it's absolutely baffled any experts in Argentina that you speak to that that ultimately Borough have managed to attract him here. So, you know, in terms of supporters, that's one of their big niggles at the moment is that uh, Piero isn't getting much football because he's 22, he's just arrived in England and, and Warnock's been very cautious with him because he, he wants to get him up to speed and there. Uh, He's kind of been patient in doing that. He doesn't want to throw him in too early, but uh, he's he's more giving him kind of 10 minutes here and there at the end of games. But I think once he gets up to speed, he could be a game changer because without doubt, he's absolutely, you know, the quality is definitely there from him. Okay, well, we'll switch thoughts now to kind of the championship. And there's one story that's that's dominating really, and it's the situation at Derby County. Of course, it's, it's kind of, let's say, blurry as to what's going to happen there. And we know that a point deduction will come um but you know Wickham Wanderers are currently potentially suing Derby or gonna take them to court for loss of earnings I think so it's a very murky situation you know we talked about Steve Gibson just a little bit earlier I touched on him he's obviously a, a reliable owner you know he's been at Borough for probably 30 years roughly something in that region in Middlesbrough I've never really had any sort of financial difficulty certainly not the extent at Derby County. Um, what do you make of the the situation at Derby, and do you think that it's kind of been coming? You know, are they the the ones who have suffered most from the pandemic? I mean, I suppose this this problem's been going on longer than the pandemic, but has the pandemic been the thing that's tipped them over the edge, or do you think that this was just bound to happen for them by the way that Mel Morris had been running the club for the last sort of five or six years? Yeah, I mean that I don't I don't know how much of an effect the you know the pandemic has, has had on them but uh you know it's such a it's a sad situation first and foremost there's obviously there's a bit of history in in what's happening with derby now and with middlesbrough um you know because of um 
you know, Middlesbrough, one of the, the key clubs who weren't kind of happy with how Derby were approaching things. And, uh, but yeah, first and foremost, it, it's sad for the fans. Um, you know, any, any football club is such uh, an important part of, of, um, of, of that city and, and and the people within that city, you know, like the community, a football club is essentially a part of that community and a, and a massive part of a, a city's community as well. So first and foremost, you never want to see a kind of any football club going that way because ultimately the people who suffer most are the, are the fans, the fans, you know, it's a, a football club is not like any normal business because normal businesses don't have fans in the same way that football clubs do so first and foremost that it's the fans i feel sorry for that that the club is has gone in this direction i mean it just seems like an, an absolute mess for them it really does and i mean we, we, i mentioned earlier about kind of how bad the finances in the championship are and i think ultimately derby are the you know the if you like the the epitome of that and there's there's been for far too long now clubs have been risking their financial security risking sustainability and and, and throwing that sustainability out of the window in 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 favor of chasing this premier league dream you know the overspend on on wages and and, and transfer fees all trying to get that premier league dream and and the riches that come with the premier league but you know, I think there's, there's particularly because of the pandemic. I think there's a lot of clubs now realizing Middlesbrough being one of them, that you know we you, you ultimately can never know what's around the corner, and and running a football club or running any business in in this manner just isn't sustainable. It isn't, uh, you know, it isn't wise at all, and uh, and 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 clubs are having to wise up now. And I think unfortunately, you know, Derby were probably one of if not the most guilty of, of that kind of taking risks beyond the means and uh and yeah unfortunately we're seeing what they're saying now it's fingers crossed somebody can come in and uh and, and and save them and towards the the other end of the league table obviously people were tipping fulham i think is the the main favorite and, and west brom as well for promotion who do you think, though, outside of them two, are the the sides to watch in the championship this year? I think outside of those two, uh, Bournemouth have started very well. They look very good under the new manager, um, and and obviously they're still a side like West Brom and Fulham, who who have the um, you know the Premier League pay, um, parachute payments in their favour, and and they are you know I mean it's probably a, a much bigger debate to have uh, and spend a lot more time on, but ultimately the parachute payments create, create an unfair gap and create, you know, um, a, an unfair advantage for the teams who have them because ultimately, you know, the, the, the guaranteed this big lump sum of money from the Premier League, which means they can afford to spend a bit more on transfer fees and they're going to afford to spend a bit more, on, on wages and and as I say it creates this unfair advantage um and and so Bournemouth you know undoubtedly have a, a quality squad we mentioned Borough's consistency earlier and the fact that consistency is such a, an important part of, of being a promotion capable side in the championship and and one of the things that having those parachute payments does is allows you to carry a bigger squad uh, which is obviously important because it's a demanding league. It's a tough physical league. You're going to pick up injuries here and there throughout the season. So you are, you're able to carry that bigger squad that has better depth and better quality within it. And that means when one player does come out injured, you've got better quality than other sides within the league to replace in your side and your side isn't affected as much. Uh, so yeah, Bournemouth, very good. I mean, 
they're very much overachieving at the moment. It'll be really interesting to see if they can sustain it. But uh, Coventry have been one of the most impressive teams I've seen this season. Borough went down there uh, the weekend before last and lost 2 0. And uh, they're by no means a you know, wonderful side to watch at Mark Robbins Coventry. But very similar. I remember I was still covering Sunderland at the time in the season they went up from League One. Uh, and and very similar to how he has them now in League One, he had a side who were very good defensively, so robust and so well structured, so they were so hard to break down. And then they had pace up top, and they broke on teams very quickly, and they had quality up top that hurt teams. And and ultimately, that's what we saw, um, you know, against Borough in the Championship because last season they went up into the Championship, and it was about Robin spoke a lot about. You know the players learning to believe that they were championship players and they were good enough to be in the championship, which I think by the second half of last season they did, and they've carried that form on into this season. Where I see that I'm in the fourth in the table now, which is absolutely unbelievable for Coventry. They've they've built a good squad there. Martin Wadon was um, was looking good against Borough, uh, excellent striker as well, and. Um, yeah, they just uh, they're doing very well, as I say. Whether they can sustain that, I don't know. But it's it's been an impressive start of the season from them. Okay, well we're just about out of time now. So Craig, thanks for coming along and and, and letting us all know about Middlesbrough. And um, thanks everyone for listening. And please remember to subscribe if you haven't. And enjoy the rest of your week. Bye.